And Paul and Miss Tammy, she's right back there. On January the 13th, 1984, President Ronald Reagan issued a proclamation designated January the 22nd as the first National Sanctity of Human Life Day. That was because back on that same date, January the 22nd, 1973, the U.S. Supreme Court legalized abortion in all 50 states. Churches still continue to recognize the third Sunday in January as the Sanctity of Human Life Sunday to celebrate God's gift of life, to commemorate the many lives lost to abortion, and commit themselves to protecting human life at every stage. Now, I went doing some research, so these numbers are going to be a little low. This was as of Wednesday. I'm sure numbers have gone up. But the number of people who have died from COVID-19 in the United States, 381,000. Worldwide, 1.97, excuse me, 1.97 million. That's as of this past Tuesday. I'm sure that number has gone up to some degree. Now, abortion in the United States, according to an article, Incidents and Access to Services, back in 2005, you can also find this information on www.abort73.com and www.cdc, which is the Centers for Disease Control.gov. According to those sources, there is over 3,000 abortions performed each day. 22% of all pregnancies in the United States end in abortion. So if you do the math, going back to 1973, there has been over 60 million abortions in the United States and counting. But that's only one side of the spectrum I want to look at this morning. If you go to the other side, this is according to the National Center on Elderly Abuse, www.ncea.gov. Approximately 1 in 10 Americans aged 60 and over 
have experienced some kind of abuse. Some estimates range as high as 5 million are abused each year. It's estimated only one in four cases are reported to authorities, and in 60% of all the cases, the perpetrator has been a family member. So I'm not just talking about abortion and the babies being killed. But I also want us to look at the other end of the spectrum where our elderly are being abused. And I can't find a real good number because, as I reported by those websites, any estimate you may get is really an estimate because a lot of times that never gets reported. There's no one there to speak on their behalf. Interesting enough, on the abortion side of it, certain states don't report to the CDC every two years like everybody else does. It's California, Maryland, and a couple others. But here's my point. When you consider the past 11 or 12 months, COVID really started hitting around March of last year, right? You think about all the quarantines, shutdowns, and concerns. You heard the rhetoric on TV, on the radio, all around us. Too many people are dying from COVID-19, which I say amen to that. But you look at the numbers of COVID, and yet you look at the numbers of abortions, and by the way, most abortions in the United States, at least 95% or even higher, is a form of birth control and not where the mother is in danger. But you look at those numbers and you think about everything that's happened because of COVID. My question, I asked myself this week, where is the outcry for all the babies who've been murdered and for all the elderly who've been abused financially, physically, and yes, quite disgustingly, sexually as well? usually done by a family member. Where is the outcry for them? Because I look at our text this morning and other places in Scripture you may go, all life, all life is precious to God. Whether it's a baby in a mother's room, a child, a teenager, an adult, or an elderly person, all life is precious to God. The sanctity, or the blessedness, or the sacredness, or even the holiness of human life. Let's look and read the text together. Psalm 139, starting in verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you, and I was made in secret, and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. What a wonderful passage talking about how we were created. He starts by saying, you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. 
That you in the Greek is emphatic. It's uttered with or marked with emphasis. So to read that properly, it's like telling God, you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's room. This is a description of God's sovereignty over the natural process of reproduction. God is almighty. He's the giver of life. He decides who will have children and how many children they have. He decides what they will look like. He decides if they will be healthy or lovingly special. God is there. Look at the picture. Forming the inward parts, literally the kidneys, the internal organs, if you will. In fact, the first thing you can hear, and I was able to hear all three of my daughters still in, in the womb, I could hear their heartbeat go. And he's there weaving. That's not an accidental thing that's being thrown together. There's intention. There's purpose. And I would like to tell you that God has a will for each baby that he forms. We get upset when we see animals abused or slaughtered. Now, I'll be the first to tell you we need to take care of God's creation. We shouldn't be cruel to animals. But animals are not more precious than human life. Because we were creating God's image. And let me clarify. I will not go out of my way to be cruel to an animal. But if I'm coming down the road and I see you coming the opposite way, it's either hit that cat or hit you and your family. What am I going to do? Sorry, cat. I have to take you out because I don't want to injure this family coming at me. Have you seen the commercials that we have about animals being abused? How come we don't get upset about these other two issues? And we hurt inside when we hear the news that another child has been abducted, raped, or killed. But it seems like as a society, we just sit back why 3,000 babies are murdered every day. And it's becoming more barbaric as time goes on. You know, now, partial birth abortion. The baby's halfway out the birth canal. They will take a sharp instrument to the soft side of the head and scramble its brains. Some of our people in government have suggested, let the baby be born, but let's sit on the counter until it dies. I don't say this flippantly, but if we think we can sit back without God having something to say about this, we are fooling ourselves. A baby in the mother's room is a sacred human life created by God in His image. We even now have the technology that the doctor can tell you if the baby is going to be born with a defect or not. And some will say, well, if it's a defect, I don't want to take that on, so we'll abort the baby. I knew of a couple. I've known this family for many, many years. I even was uh, very privileged and honored to officiate their wedding. She got pregnant. 
they found out that the baby wasn't full term, chances are it would not survive. And I give them credit. In that moment, they said, no, we're going to carry it full term. Let God decide. The baby's name was Grace. She lasted just a very short time. But I commend that young couple for saying, let God take care of it. Even now, we're killing babies so that we can form stem cell research. I won't get in a big political discussion about all that, but for me personally, how can I justify killing a young life in order that I may live longer? I mean, for the most part, I've lived a good life. I now have two grandchildren. Now, don't misunderstand me. I don't, I don't want to go quite yet. But that baby would never have a chance to go to school, go to high school, experience all that, friends, graduation. Well, I'm trying to say that baby was just starting its life or beginning his or her life where I have lived a good life. Look what he says in the, in the psalm. I will give thanks to you, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And he breaks forth in that praise to God when he considers that God was there forming him together in his mother's womb. He was going into praise over the thought of how marvelously he was been made. Even in his rudimentary knowledge, they didn't have much knowledge of the human body back then, that still led the psalmist to be in awe and wonder. Now, I was privileged there for be the birth of all my three daughters. And what I know about the whole thing of this human body in general, it's truly a wonderful creation the human body is when you stop and think about it. How we're put together. Everything has a purpose and design in our body to do. And I've learned, it's amazing how much we take for granted until you can't do that anymore. And you miss that muscle or whatever it is you don't have. And that word translated fearfully, it's the same one used when speaking about fear of the Lord. It doesn't mean we shall be terrified by God, but to have respect and reverence for Him. And that word tra translated wonderfully means to be separate, distinguished, or unique. Basically, what it's saying here is that you are special. You are the only you that God has created. There is no one else like you. He made you to be special, to be unique. Is the psalmist saying, Lord, how great is your work, except your work is me, therefore how great I am? Not exactly. At first, it may seem a little self-absorbed that he would go that right. But what he's really saying is, in light of being created by God, I am only great because it's the greatness of God that makes me great. I'm only wonderful because of God's wonderfulness makes me wonderful. The reason I am a great creation is because of the Creator made me that way. 
Think about this. Every single person on earth is a masterpiece of God. There is over 7.5 billion people on this planet. There is no one else like you. No one else has your same fingerprint or your retina scan. You are unique. You are an original design. You are a masterpiece. You are a priceless work of art. It's because God is wonderful that we are wonderful. You're saying, well, Tim, how do you know I'm a masterpiece, a wonderful work of art that's priceless? First of all, you're created. God puts you together intentionally. Not some accident, not some big bang theory. A creator wove you together. And you bear his image. But then, right behind me, the cross of Christ. You are special, you're priceless because God wanted to reconcile you to himself. After all, he created you. He loves you. He likes you. But our sin got in the way and God said, hold up, I got a plan for that. Send his only son to die. Take your sin in mind so we may be reconciled to him. You you cannot put a price tag on the cross of Christ. You cannot put a price tag on salvation. It's priceless. It's a gift. All you have to do is reach out and ask for it. And it's yours. He says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. That word for frame literally bones. He goes, when I was a secret in the depths of the earth. In other words, when he was in the mother's womb and when he's there, he is He cannot be seen with the naked eye. This is like if I was down in the earth in the deep caverns, you couldn't see. You ever been to a cave, by the way? Anybody ever gone spelunking, as they call it? They take you down in there, and then they turn. They say, okay, now don't move. We're going to turn the lights out. And you can put your hand like this, and you cannot see your hand. I mean, it is so dark. That's the comparison that's being made here, and he's saying, God, you were there. You saw it. God was there overlooking every detail because darkness is but light to God. He was putting together your frame, your bones, your skeleton, if you will. Look what it says. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance. What we call the embryo. That little baby. In the womb, God is putting together, creating you, creating a design of his choosing. He sees it and all its parts distinctly. God is intimately acquainted with you. We hear all the time that God loves us, and I've said this before, but God likes you. He's the creator. Here's another illustration. You know, if you have a Ford pickup truck. Now, I'm not going to say Ford. I'm going to start a fight about Fords and Chevys here. Just illustration purposes. All right? If you have a, a Ford pickup truck, F-150, would you go out and buy a Chevy or a Dodge owner's manual to fix something on that Ford? No. You would go buy a Ford manual specifically for that model and the year. Because you want to go to the person who created that thing and put that thing together to tell you how to fix it. So we have a creator. And we go and look at everywhere else to help fix our problems if we would just turn to the creator 
who has that ability to tell us what to do. I believe we should vote, be informed, but at the same time, why should I be going to a politician when he doesn't really know because he didn't create me? I need to go to the Creator. Seems to me we spend a lot of time chasing all the wrong things rather than chasing the very one who put this all in motion. Don't forget that He created us. He created the whole universe. Think about that for a second. When you walk outside here in just a few minutes and you, you, you look around, or even tonight, if it's a, I don't know if it's going to be in clouds tonight, but go look at the stars. Think about creation in general. you got to create all that. And it operates precisely just the way it's supposed to until we decide we know better than God and we mess everything up. In your book, he says, were written all the days that were ordained for me. Now, when start talking about predestination, I think what the psalmist is telling us about, there is not one part of your life that goes that escapes the presence or, the, or God seeing it. God knows everything about you. He sees it in one shot. There's nothing that escapes his presence or his eyes. God knows everything about you, including the shape that your life will take. Even before you were born, even before you experienced one day of it all, God had put you, for a re- put you together for a reason and for a purpose. And you might be saying, well, Tim, what is that purpose? What is that reason? That, well, you need to seek God in prayer and seek His Word. He'll reveal it to you. Little did I know that He really designed me to be a preacher. <laughs> for the first 31 years of my life, I didn't think so. I had to give my life to Christ until I was 33. I'd like to tell you it's been an easy road, but it hasn't. But that's what God formed me to do because I know that because when I'm not doing it, I'm miserable. And that's my wife, I'm miserable to be around. Because I'm not doing what God's created me to do. God created everyone in His image. God breathes life into us, He gave us a soul. All life is precious to God. Genesis 1.27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, Genesis 2 said, we get a little more information, more details. Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being, literally soul. Now, think about this. Go back and read your creation account. Genesis 1 kind of gives us an overview, and Genesis 2 gives us more detail. But it's all the creation account. Everywhere you look, when God creates, He speaks, and boom, there it's there, right? God said, let there be light. Boom, there was light. Everything He did, He spoke into existence. But when it came to man, He didn't speak man into existence, did He? What did He do? He reached down with His own hands. And with dust, with His own hands, God formed man. And only that, after he got done forming man, he breathed the breath of life into man, and man became a living being, a literally a soul. Nowhere in the creation do you see that happening where God took his own hands and formed something. Everything else, he spoke. But with man, and by the way, ladies, you too. Can I just take a side note? Guys, if you look at Adam, go back and look. What's the 
one thing he did before God created Eve. He had Adam name all the animals. I can imagine Adam sitting there and, whoo, I shall call you elephant. And all the, all the animals went by. Adam suffered the first burnout. You know how I know that? <laughs> I shared this with some of you before. He's named all these animals big names. and you go, But then he gets burned out. Oh, I don't know, fly. So he gets burned out. <laughs> he gets, never mind, forget I was a bad. <laughs> but during that process, he realizes everything else has a, a female, has a helpmate, if you will. But there was nothing there for Adam. That was like himself. So God said it wasn't good for man to be alone, so he caused Adam to fall deep. So he took a, a rib from Adam, he formed woman. And of course, when God presents her to man, or Adam, Adam goes, whoa, whoa, man. That's my translation, by the way. There's woman to be a, a helpmate. Now, just to flush this out, I don't want to spend too much time on this. I'm chasing a, chasing a rabbit here. It's never a question of inferiority. In other words, a man's not better than a woman, a woman's not better than a man. God created us to have different roles. We complement each other. And if you look at the New Testament, it says, Wives, submit yourselves to your husband as, you, as the church submits, them, submits herself to the Lord. And he tells us, men, men love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So, if Tammy's saying, you're the lead, I'm going to follow wherever you want to go because she sees me submitting to the Lord and she knows that I will lay my life down for her. And she sees that, she responds to saying, yes, I'll follow you. That relationship has nowhere to go but up. We're complimenting each other. It's not a question of inferiority. Who's inferior to the other? It's always been a question of being complimentary. Man, I need to do a pro sermon on that one day. God created all people of all races in His image. The beggar standing on the street corner is creating God's image. The elderly in the nursing home, some never having any family to visit them, especially now with the coronavirus, they can't. They're made in God's image. That child suffering from Down syndrome is created God's image. And yes, that murderer sitting on death row is created in God's image. There's only really two types of people in this world, the lost and the saved. And sometimes it's difficult for people to figure out who's who. Can the unsaved, the lost, see Christ in you and me? Ones who profess to follow Christ? Or do they see someone who teaches the Word but lives like the world? And to kind of bring us all back together, when you look at Psalm 139, specifically verses 13 through 16, as we did, and Genesis 127 and Genesis 2-7, and a lot of that, and that says only three scriptures we can look at, we can go a lot of other places to see that life is precious to God. The lost are precious to God. He wants us to go seek the lost and to tell them the good news. But in light of all that, why do we treat people so badly? So we must learn that all life is sacred. Your life is sacred. 
even if you don't see a purpose in your life, God has purpose and a plan for you. We are important to God. See, salvation is more of a process. It's justification. That's when you come to faith in Christ. You admit to your sin, you're broken God's law, you need Christ. So you said, yes, Christ, I want you to be my Lord and Savior of my life. I come to you trusting you for my salvation. That moment, the blood of Christ covers your sins and you stand justified in the eyes of God. Think about what I just said. A holy, perfect God now declares you to be justified. You can be in His presence. Then becomes a process of sanctification, being more and more like Christ every day. And for us to be sanctified, we must get rid of the sin in our lives and seek His will. Here's something we don't talk about much. Secret sins. You know those things that we do that no one else knows about? That really prevent us from being sanctified. Those things that we do when no one else is watching. But as the psalm pointed out, not one area of our life escapes God's eyes. I want you to examine your life this morning because your life is important. Your life is sacred. You're created in God's own image as is the person sitting next to you. As well as those 3,000 babies that murder every day and our elderly. Everybody's creating the image of God. Let me just make a clear distinction. Yes, you're made in the image of God, but to become a child of God, you have to deal with the sin problem. That's what Christ does. Because in Ephesians, it tells us I was dead in my transgressions and sins. It's, God, it's Jesus who makes me sanctified and justified in the eyes of God. So yes, I'm creating God's image. I have value. Human life has value to it simply because we are created in His image. We are created by God. But to become a child of God, I have to come to salvation. Which, by the way, doesn't cost a cent. Your eternal salvation has been paid for. Not in part, but the whole. As the old hymn says, my sin not in part, but the whole. has been nailed to the cross, I bear it no more. So in light of all that, is there a secret sin in your life? Perhaps drugs or alcohol, adultery or pornography. Well, pornography is really having havoc in our society. Are you suffering from the sin of pride? Is there someone you don't like? Is there someone you can't forgive? These are just some sins that may be what we call secret sins. And really that title, secret, is not really right because there's no such thing as a secret sin because God knows it. Remember that He knows about them, but here's the good news. He's waiting to forgive you. You know what our problem is sometimes? Let's just, sometimes we're unable to forgive ourselves. Some of you don't understand what I've done. There's no way that God could forgive me. Oh, yes, He will forgive you. Just because you can't forgive yourself or having problems with forgiving yourself doesn't mean that God won't forgive you. Don't believe into that lie. God is more than willing to forgive you if you simply confess and repent. Perhaps it's because we have to experience God's forgiveness before we can forgive ourselves. The sanctity of human life. Everyone's created in the image of God. He was there in the womb. 
putting you together. He's with you now every step of the way. And no matter what you think you no matter what you think of yourself, God looks at you as a precious created being. Yes, we sin. At times we can probably make him mad. But God in his infinite love and mercy did not leave us there, did he? He did something about it. He sent his son. And anybody, doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter your ethnicity, doesn't matter how much money you may make, doesn't matter your education, all that does not matter. Because John 3.16, you know it well. What does it say? Whoever, whoever believes in Christ will be saved. So three things. Have you given your life to the Lord? Quit buying into the lie that Hollywood puts out time and time again. For all you young ladies and, lady, and, and women out there, what's on the outside doesn't make you beautiful. What's on the inside that makes you beautiful. Quit trying to live up to the image that they put out. Because as soon as you attain it, they change it. You are so precious that Christ was willing to die for you. Have you made him Lord of your life? Have you called out to him? He's here with waiting arms. Is there a secret sin in your life that's holding you back? That's creating obstacles in your relationship with God? He created you to have a relationship with Him. He desperately wants that. But He's not going to force Himself on you. You have to decide. Maybe He's calling you into vocational ministry. You know, He still does that. And He will call you by name. Or maybe He's calling you to join us here at Forestburg. It's part of the body. Come alongside of us. To be people that are known, living by faith, known by love here in Forestburg in the county and the state. What is it God's calling you to? Don't believe the lie. The enemy wants to separate us, divide us by race, by nationality, by gender, you name it. But here, in his church, we all have the same equal footing. There is no distinction here. No slave, no free, no man, no woman. We're all the same. Maybe you need to pray. You can go across the aisle and pray with somebody. Whatever it is, I hope that you take care of it today. And I hope you remember, as we continue on with this year, and this COVID continues on. All life is precious to God. He created you for a reason and for a purpose. Have a relationship with Him.
and to know Him and to one day spend all eternity with Him. But you have to make that choice. He's done everything that He can possibly do. He's given us His Word. He's given us the church. He's given us each other. And He's given us the Holy Spirit. What else do you want Him to do? You have to decide. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day. And we thank You that indeed You are Creator of all life. That, Father, we're not a product of some Big Bang or some type of cosmic goo somewhere, but dear God, You created us. You wove us together, weaved us together in our mother's womb. That God, You saw everything. And You knew how our life would go about. And Father, You have a will for our lives. And only that, dear God, You sent Your Son that we may have forgiveness of sin so we may have a relationship with You. may know You. Father, I pray right now in this moment that everyone in the sound of my voice will feel Your arms of love and peace wrap around them that You, the Creator of the universe, know them by name. And that You love them. So much that You sent Your Son. Father, I pray for those who are dealing with self-esteem issues. Father, it's so easy for us to beat ourselves up. We see all these images on TV and magazines, movies. Father, remind them that when you look at them, you see your precious creation. Father, I pray that you knock down those walls and break those chains that hold us back. Bind the evil one away from here. He has no business here. May we listen to your voice, the voice of truth, and may we respond accordingly. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me, please?